Hello, and welcome to Good One, a podcast about jokes. I'm your host, Jesse David Fox. We have something special for you this week to mark the release of my book, Comedy Book, How Comedy Conquered Culture and the Magic That Makes It Work, which came out today, November 7th. We are offering you the first glimpse of the audiobook, read by me, Jesse David Fox, host of Good One, a podcast about jokes, the podcast you are currently listening to. If you're a fan of this podcast, and I hope you are, I think you'll really enjoy Comedy Book. It is based off of everything I've learned doing this show these past seven years, conducting, I don't know, 200 interviews. I put my entire heart and brain into this book, and it would mean so much if you'd read it. Each chapter is built around an element of comedy, from truth to the line to laughter, and explores the concept from a variety of angles using a bunch of comedy from the last 40 or so years. The excerpt you're about to listen to comes from the book's second chapter, Audience, which discusses how uniquely important the audience is for the art form of comedy. The chapter goes on to talk about the rise of black comedy clubs and alternative comedy in the 90s and Chris Rock, but it starts with me answering the question of if I have ever tried stand-up. So here is part one of chapter two of Comedy Book. Chapter 2, Audience Have you ever tried stand-up is the question I get most often from comedians. Some are being nice and are just curious to meet a civilian who cares so much about comedy. However, I'd be lying, and I'd never lie to you, baby, if I didn't acknowledge that usually the question is meant to challenge my credentials. Comedy is hardly the only field in which the rebuttal to criticism is a rejection of the idea of the critic. I'm sure the first cave person who ever offered a grunted opinion about a cave painting was hit over the head with a rock by its artist. Still, the skeptical artist's impulse is misguided here. It is more important that the critic relates to the audience, since that is who their work is for, especially with comedy as an audience-dependent art form. That said, yes, I have. After years of bothering my friend Hallie, a stand-up in her own right, with jokes and tweet drafts, she said in 2015 that I should just try stand-up. Not only that, but she had the show for me. A leather jacket-themed open mic. A leather jacket-themed open mic means comedians are supposed to wear a leather jacket and do the type of material Andrew Dice Clay would do if you were making fun of Andrew Dice Clay. Let's say I was ninth on a list of 17 acts. Really, I have no idea. I do remember that most people just did regular sets wearing a leather jacket. One guy didn't have a leather jacket, borrowed one, and then proceeded to just talk about how dating was weird or whatever. There's a famous photo of the comedy writer Katie Dippold at a normal just-drink-wine-and-watch-a-scary-movie Halloween get-together, dressed like the Babadook from the 2014 Australian horror film The Babadook. My leather jacket was a Babadook costume. I only have leather jacket jokes, I thought. They're going to know I'm a fraud. But as I saw more and more comedians do a medium job, it dawned on me, they have nothing to compare me to. As far as they knew, I didn't incorrectly come dressed like the Babadook. I am always dressed like the Babadook. I am the Babadook. Next thing I knew, my name was called. As I approached the stage, I repeated to myself, take the mic off the stand and put the stand behind you. Take the mic off the stand and put the stand behind you. Take the mic off the stand and put the stand behind you. From years listening to comedy podcasts, I knew this one action is what separated amateurs from professionals. In retrospect, its significance was overrated. The audience wasn't hostile. They were giving me nothing. I was starting at a true zero. I asked if they were ready for some leather jacket comedy, and they said woo, less as a cheer and more of a yes. 
And then I did stand up. That's how I talk about it. Did. I wouldn't say I performed stand up, but it was undoubtedly technically stand up. I said a joke out loud and the audience made a noise that I thought was laughter. But it wasn't laughter. It was an acknowledgement of a joke, which is better than nothing. I realized that because with my second to last joke, I said the punchline and heard a sharp, loud noise as if the audience was a pop balloon, but instead of helium, it was filled with laughs. I'm sure you might be curious what the joke is, but I don't want to tell you. First, the expectations for it right now are too great. Second, it's not not dirty and it would be distracting. I will tell you eventually. Then my set was done. I sat back down with the comedians and some said good job. I felt nothing. I was not hooked, thankfully. That night, I retired from stand-up. By that point in my life, I had read or listened to hundreds of comedians talk about their first time, so I knew what was supposed to happen in this moment. Your first big laugh is like a secret door opening, and behind it is the path to your new life. There is this idea in the general population that all comedians are sad clowns with traumatic childhoods. Based on my experience, that is not exactly correct. What is, for the most part, true is that all comedians have a compulsion to perform comedy. This is notable because, especially starting out, performing comedy, be it improv, sketch, or especially stand-up, is stupid hard. Multiple times a night, every night of the week, you have to do it poorly in front of people. And you have to do this for years before you bomb only some of the time. Bomb is slang for when a comedian or a piece of comedy performs extremely poorly in front of an audience. If you want to go through this long, exhausting, disenchanting journey, then comedy must fill a deep need for you. For every comedian, the source of that need is different, be it nature or nurture. But there is a reason almost everyone who eventually makes it describes that first laugh as feeling like a high they were chasing. This is at the core of the sort of codependency of the comedian-fan relationship. You are only happy with what makes the other person happy. And it is what makes comedy such a unique art form. Most comedy is not only created to be performed in front of people, but is also created by being performed in front of people. All live performers, musicians, theater actors, dancers, will say they feed off the energy of the crowd, or even the crowd's energy influences their performance. But they are all working off material already written and or rehearsed in private. Stand-ups will vary in how much they put pen to paper beforehand, but generally, they write by going up on stage with an idea for an area in which a joke might be, and then they use the audience to figure out which parts are funny or interesting or both. I'm focusing on stand-up because it is the most extreme example of comedy's natural selection, but the closeness of the comedian-audience relationship is one that defines all of comedy. Improvisers are creating whole shows based on the suggestions of the audience and what they do or do not laugh at. Sitcoms, for almost the entirety of their existence, were shot in front of live studio audiences for the same effect. The process of having an audience to work off of is so important to Saturday Night Live that during the coronavirus pandemic, They got around crowd restrictions by paying people to sit in the audience and calling them extras. Comedy directors like Paul Feig and Judd Apatow recreate the comedian and live audience dynamic by using a ton of test screenings when editing their films. There are obvious exceptions like animated or single-camera sitcoms, but still a vast majority of those are worked on by people who come from a live comedy background. That's because audiences more than shape how material grows and changes, they shape how comedians do what they do. And in doing so, over time, It is the audience that has pushed comedy forward as an art form. That's it for another episode of Good One. You can get Comedy Book wherever books are sold. Come to my New York book release show tonight or my LA show on November 13th. Ticket links in the show notes. 
Goodwin produced by myself and Jelani Carter. God Mushikishin did our theme song. Write a review and rate the show on Apple Podcasts. Five stars, please. Email any comments, questions, or laughing around suggestions to goodonepodcast at gmail.com or tweet at us at goodonepodcast. I am Jesse David Fox, and you can follow me at Jesse David Fox. Good One is a production of Vulture and the Vox Media Podcast Network. We're here every other Tuesday. Have a good one. Welcome to Good One. Show about talking them jokes. Mm, son. Hey, 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 good one. It's a good one.